I'm coming. It's been out for a while. Uh, honestly, it's, it's so good to be here. I mean, it really is. I feel like it's been a little bit since I've been able to join you. Um, I've been vacationing and transitioning residences. <laughs> it's interesting. I had my vacation planned. Um, and then we decided to sell our home and didn't realize it would sell that quickly. And, uh, you know, we were left with having to find a place to go. And this closing got delayed. Our closing got delayed. Um, you know, so plans don't always go according to plan, do they? Uh, but in the midst of all this, I had my vacation already planned. So it's been a weird, you know, couple of weeks for me. Very stressful. But this, honestly, being here with you is a relief. Um, I enjoy being here together with you. Thank you, Bob, and all the praise team. Thank, thank you all for what you do each and every week, the time and effort you put in. Um, an important part of, of our services is starting it with worship, um, worshiping God. I want to finish our series today. We've been in a series uh, called In God We Trust, and I think we've been in a series, I'm not sure, but maybe eight weeks, nine weeks, something like that. But we've been going through uh, the New Testament letter of Hebrews, and specifically in one chapter in this letter, in chapter 11, that's known as the Hall of Faith. And we titled this series, In God We Trust, because that is uh, what America has as their national motto. You see it on currency, you see it on uh, cars and things like that, but what does it mean? And we've been looking at characters through Hebrews 11 and, and seeing what in God we trust means. These are people that were known for their faith. They were known for trusting in God. All right, so we moved out to this place in the middle of nowhere. You know, have you heard that song, Home on the Range, where the deer and the antelope play? You just take out antelope and put in bear, and that's our theme song, right? Um. So we've been trying to figure out, you know, utilities and stuff like that. And it's like a little house on the prairie. That's what it feels like. Um, but, you know, we're trying to figure out Internet and what do we do. And so I found out that our options are extremely limited. Um, so, you know, I, I've been researching and I'm, I'm hoping to maybe one day get Starlink, which some of you may know what that is, um, new, new program, satellite program for Internet. But Elon, Elon Musk is behind that. And most of you, some of you may know who that is, right? What is, he, what is he known for? Tesla. Tesla, right? What else? SpaceX. And, and, and now Starlink. So I'm, I'm an Elon Musk fanatic. I got a man crush on him. Um, I'm just intrigued. I'm intrigued by entrepreneurship. And, and you know, he, he amazes me. Let me ask you this. What will you be known for? You know, if, if, if I say your name, you know, 30, 40 years from now, what are those things that you are going to be known for? Three guys today, as we finish up Hebrews 11, three guys I want to talk to you about, Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph. These are known as the patriarchs. Um, these are the descendants of Abraham, right? The pillars of the faith. And each of these guys have 
amazing stories to their lives. Each of these guys did some great things, and we read and study about these guys in Sunday school and in Bible school, and, you know, they're famous. They're famous. They're the Old Testament figures. But none, none of them were perfect. If you go back and you read their whole stories, you'll see that they messed up a whole lot. You'll see that they are actually just like you and me. They were known for some great things, but they did lots of things that they probably were ashamed of, honestly. But somehow, they made it to Hebrews 11, the hall of faith. They, they became known for their faith, and if you have your Bibles with you, turn to Hebrews 11. If you've read this before, these guys are mentioned in Hebrews 11 in an unexpected way. When I say Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, you probably think about what they're known for, right? What you've read, what you've heard, what you've studied. They're mentioned in Hebrews 11 for something completely different that probably you haven't thought of. I want to share with you this picture here, Gwen. Um, I took this at the stoplight in Claypool Hill, and I apologize if this is anyone's relative, all right? Um, Hey, but uh, see the in God we trust thing? You've got to have trust in God to drive a Chevy. Sorry about that. But no, what intrigued me was, here's this older type truck, right? Like a, like a farm truck and this older type, you know, a generation ago guy, you know, just driving and, and trusting in, in God right? That's the, that's the vibe I felt behind this guy, like an old school type of faith guy. These guys that we're talking about in Hebrews, when you start reading through Hebrews chapter 11, verses 20 through 22, each of these guys, three of them, were known for something they did before they died, as they were older. I want to talk to you first. We'll, st we'll start with Isaac. Isaac was the son of a famous guy, right? The son of Abraham. The, Isaac was the chosen one. He was, he was the one who was, had a miracle type of, of birth. He was the son of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham was 100 and Sarah was 90. And, you know, he, that was him. That was him. But notice what it says in Hebrews 11, verse 20. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Now, here in Hebrews, remember, the hall of fame, the hall of faith, Isaac is wedged in here for one reason. And what is that? He blessed Jacob and Esau in regard to their future. Just a quick backstory. Um, not going to spend a whole lot of time summarizing, but Isaac went on to marry a lady named Rebecca who has an interesting story, too. She wasn't able to conceive, just, just like Sarah. The Lord opened her womb and, and allowed her to have children, and the Lord visited Rebecca and said, hey, you're just not going to have one, you're going to have two, right? You're going to have two. You're going to have twins, but the older will serve the younger. That's what the Lord told Rebecca before she had kids, all right? 
the Lord told her that two nations were in her womb. So the twins came, Esau first, Jacob second, right? Esau was the firstborn. And, and Isaac's favorite was Esau, okay? He was the outdoor channel guy, the, the hunter, right? The fisherman. Rebecca's favorite was Jacob. He was the HGTV guy, right? The decorator, right? The coordinator, right? She, they, they each had their, their favorites, and that never really works out well um, for anyone. But long story short, the, the blessing belonged to Esau, according to the world, according to man. The blessing belonged to the firstborn, but the Lord had different plans. Jacob ended up taking the blessing, tricking um, his brother out of the blessing, but he also tricked his, his father out of the blessing. But what does it say here? What does it say? Why is Isaac being praised for having faith for giving a blessing that he was tricked into giving? Right? Does that, does that confuse you? It does me a little bit. But then it says he blessed both of them. He blessed both of them. Now, if you did something by mistake, especially something this big, what would you try to do? Correct it? Oops, I made a mistake. Let me go back and let me fix this. Let me redo it. It's not like these blessings couldn't be altered. Right? There's no rule on that. It's not like, oh, it's, you know, I, this the blessing bank is completely empty now. Right? It's gone forever. He could have just took it away and said, no, you deceived me. No, he didn't. He didn't do that. You see, Isaac knew that God was sovereign. He knew that God was sovereign. I want to share with you this. Here's why, here is why Isaac is mentioned here in Hebrews. Isaac passed down the sovereignty of God. He passed down the sovereignty of God. Isaac thought that he could do things his way, right? This, remember, the Lord had already told Rebekah the younger will serve, I mean, the older will serve the younger, right? Isaac thought he could do things his way according to his plans, work things out according to how he wanted them. No, he couldn't. He quickly realized that, hey, what God says happens. What God instructs will happen. That God is sovereign. I want to show you this all the way back in Genesis 27. This is the moment, okay? This is the moment of when, when he realizes he's been duped, okay? This is after Jacob tricked his father and left, and Esau comes back, and he's like, what happened? Then Isaac trembled very violently and said, who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me, and I ate it all before you came, and I have blessed him? Question mark. You know, see, he's panicking. He's realizing that he has been duped here, but notice what he says next. Yes. He shall be blessed. Okay? That is Isaac still talking. That's not Esau. 
In other translations, it says, indeed, he shall be blessed. In that moment, Isaac realized that he had made a mistake, that he had tried to do something his own way, and it didn't work out. And because the Lord said he was going to do something, it shall happen. <laughs> After Isaac was duped into blessing Jacob, he, gave a, he did bless Esau. He gave a lesser blessing to Esau. So he did bless both Isaac and Esau. But then I kept reading, and he eventually came back around and blessed Jacob a second time, knowing that it was Jacob. You see, he, he eventually he submitted to the sovereign will of God. He said, God, your will be done. How important is it uh, for us to pass down the sovereignty of God to those around us? How important it is, is it for us to let people know that God is sovereign. To tell our, our kids, our family members that, hey, there is one God. He, he, is, he is on his throne. The Bible says that the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear, the reverence, the awe. There is a God. He is supreme. He is sovereign. Folks, that is the foundation. That is the beginning of of life that is the beginning of wisdom how important is that for us to pass down especially given today when you look out and you turn on the tv and you turn on the internet how are you reacting hey for people of faith god is in control god is on his throne the lord is sovereign it doesn't matter what goes on down here. The Lord is in control. Look, and as much as we are tempted to make this world about us, it's not. It's about Him. It's about Him. We need to make sure that we're passing down the sovereignty of God. Second, so we talked about Isaac. Here's Jacob. Jacob. And this is the guy who stole the blessing, right? This, this, this is the guy. This is the crook, crooked guy. But it's interesting. Ultimately, God intended for Jacob to receive it anyway, right? So I'm thinking, man, if Jacob would have just done things the right way, it still would have happened. But uh, Hebrews 11:21, what's he known for? By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of Joseph's sons and worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. That's what he's in Hebrews for. Because Jacob blessed Joseph's sons. Now, if you go back and read, Jacob blessed Joseph too. But Joseph's sons would have been who to Jacob? Grandchildren. Man, how, how important is it that we pass down our faith, not only to our kids, but to our grandchildren? Or are we involved in, in the lives of our of our grandchildren? Are we instilling principles upon, upon them? Joseph had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, and he blessed both of them. I'm not going to get into it, but if you go back and read that blessing too, God's sovereignty comes into play because Manasseh is the oldest, 
Ephraim is the youngest, and uh, you know when the blessing was given, the hands were crossed and switched, so that the blessing went to Ephraim. Okay, um, that's all in God's sovereignty. But Jacob did that. I want you to notice this. This is why he's mentioned in Hebrews. Okay, while he blessed, while he did that, it says he worshipped. He worships. He says he leaned on top of his staff. Now, as I was reading this, I remember being at the beach at Hilton Head, and I was just reading some Old Testament scripture. And this phrase came up many times with with Jacob. He leaned on top of his staff and worshipped. And I never knew that. I never knew that. Repeatedly, repeatedly, Jacob worshipped as he leaned on top of his staff. You know, Jacob, he was a troublemaker, right? From the very beginning. He came out of the womb grabbing his brother's heel, right? Um, His name means deceiver. Imagine naming your kid that, by the way. Deceiver. Um, He was just a troublemaker. He did things his way. If you read his account, this guy actually wrestled with God. Now, how many of us do that, by the way? And God beats your butt every time, right? And you're like, "Ah, I don't know what happened to me. Yeah, you're wrestling with God. It says Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and the Lord touched his hip, and man, boom, it's gone. Like, his hip is either out of socket or it's broke, but we know that, you know, when you're, when you're the elderly here, man, when, you, when your hip goes out, that's, that's life-changing, isn't it? Like, you're not really the same after that. It, it's the same for, for Jacob here. From that moment when God kicked his butt, kicked his hip, he was never the same. He had to have a staff. He, he, was, he was crippled from that point on. He had to lean on his staff. But in the end, Jacob trusted in God. And listen, he was not ashamed to worship. Didn't matter who it was in front of. He was not ashamed to worship. I want to share with you this. Jacob passed down the importance of worship. The importance of worship. Let's look all the way back in Genesis 48. This is when the blessing took place. Notice, I could probably spend a whole sermon on this right here, but just, just notice some of the key phrases. Then he blessed, that's Jacob, then he blessed Joseph and said, May the God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked faithfully, the God who has been my shepherd all my life to this day, the angel, the angel who broke my hip, right? The angel who kicked my hind end, right? The angel who knocked me down and taught me a lesson. The angel who has delivered me from all harm. Notice this. Who's given the blessing here? Jacob is given the blessing, but notice what he says. May he bless, may he bless these boys. Hey, I'm doing the talking, but somebody else is doing the blessing, right? Man, what is, and he's doing this in front of his family. Who's he giving credit to? God. He gave God all the credit. That guy, he's been my shepherd. All my life, 
Hey, I've messed up so many times. I've done so many things that I'm ashamed of. But all my life, this God has been my shepherd to this very day. (laughs) The angel who has been with me the whole time, who has protected me, who has delivered me, this God, I want him to bless these boys. Man. He knew the blessings didn't really come from him. And the most important blessings come from the Lord. You know, if you read back in Jacob's story, as he moved from place to place, and as he accumulated resources, and as his family grew and grew, he would build these stone pillars, these big, big, big piles of rock. And he would take oil and pour it over the top. And you know what he would do? He would worship. He would worship. The first one that he built, okay, was after he got his hip out of place, after he wrestled with the Lord. He built the stone pillars, piled them up, poured oil on top, and worshiped. And he named that place Bethel, which means the house of God. He was the first church builder, right? You when you look back at his life and then at the very end, and he's, he's given the blessings to his descendants, but he is on top of his staff leaning, and he is worshiping still. How important is, that, is it for us to pass down worship, folks? Worship. That, that, God, that God is the most important thing to you. That there are moments in this life where you need to stop And you need to pause, and you either need to pray, or lift your hands, or worship, or give credit. Give credit, give credit. The God who has been with me all my life, it's because of him that I'm here and doing this, and that we have all this. The shepherd, the angel who has protected me time and time again. How many conversations like that are you having with your kids and with those around you? How much worship is protruding from your life? Giving glory and credit to God. How many stone pillars are you setting up so that people can go back and see and look? It's so important that we pass down worship. Hey, coming to church, man, when I was growing up, it wasn't optional for me. Like my parents drugged me by the hair here. It's why it's all gone. It's like being ripped out. They passed that down to me. Okay? Serving. Serving. The house of the Lord. Right? Worship. God, he's worthy of of everything. Is that what you're known for? Is that what you're passing down? Finally, I want to end with this guy, Joseph. Joseph was sold into slavery. Right? That's what we all know him for. Sold into slavery by his brothers. He ended up in Egypt through God's sovereignty. Right? Uh, he became the most powerful person aside from Pharaoh in all of Egypt. But he was able to save all of Israel because of the, the famine that was taking place. He was able to, to save and preserve the blood, bloodline of Christ. That's Joseph. In the end, he was reunited with his brothers that betrayed him with his father too 
um, with Jacob, and they lived there in Egypt for a long time. But time would change. And here we find Joseph on the precipice of, of death and, and right on the edge of that transition between his life and the next and between two pharaohs, okay? Hebrews eleven twenty two. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones, okay? Why is this important? Very, very practical and simple, but so important. He talked about the Exodus in future tense, okay? The Exodus hadn't happened yet. He was living the high life. He was smooth sailing. Why is he even bringing it up? Do you get that? He's the most powerful person in all of Egypt. Not only is his life taken care of, but his whole family is taken care of, and he is saying this. Hey, we're leaving. <laughs> we're leaving. Hey, it, this promise was made to my great-grandfather, and it's going to happen because God's sovereign. That's what he's saying. This is going to take place. This place is not our home. Get ready. The Lord is going to take us out of this place. And by the way, if I'm not here, take my bones with you. Right? That's how strong his faith was. He longed for that to take place. It was a promise that was passed down each generation. He looked forward to it. You know what Joseph did? He gave his family something to look forward to. I want to share this with you. Joseph passed down hope. He passed down hope. How important is that for us? He's passed down something to look forward to. He's passed down hope to create a spark or a flame inside of another person's life, to pick their head up, to not get dragged down into the darkness of the world but to point somebody to light to give them hope genesis 50 24 this is back when when this took place then joseph said to his brothers i'm about to die right hey i'm death is a serious thing death is everybody faces death nobody looks forward to it He came to a point where he was faced with the reality of his own death. But then his heart wanted to give hope. Notice what he says. But God, God will surely come to your aid. And he will take you up out of this land to the land he promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Isn't that good? Man, on his deathbed. He's not worried about him. He's worried about passing on hope to others that he is leaving behind. Hey, my God made a promise. Look, it's going to get bad around here, but listen to me. Trust me now. My God made an oath, and when my God makes an oath, he keeps it. When he makes a promise, he fulfills it. 
my God will surely come into your aid and save you and take you up out of this place. Man, he pointed to a promise. He offered hope of salvation to those around him. Are you passing down hope? Man, I know we get caught up in things, and man, we can get emotional and negative real quick. Some of you, real quick. If you're not careful, that'll just go on and on and on. Next thing you know, five years are going by. Are you passing down hope to those around you? Are you sharing news that, hey, there's a better place? There's a better life. There's, there's an eternal life. God has a different plan than here, right? We believe that, right? I mean, are we passing that down? Joseph believed it, and he was in the best place in all the world, and absolutely nothing was going wrong for him. Nothing. And he believed it so much that at the end of his life, that's what he wanted to pass down. He wasn't trying to get the beneficiary information right, the estate planning and all that stuff. No. Hey, God made a promise. Hold on to it. Man, I can't think of anything more important for us to pass down than the hope of salvation found in Jesus Christ. I know we want to be, we want our kids to like us. We want our kids to go on and do great things. We, we want good things for our family. But do you want your kids to know Jesus? Are we passing the hope of Christ down that way? It's the most important thing that you can ever, ever pass down. Hey, and look, if you don't know Christ, that's the best thing that you can do. That's the best decision that you can make here today. Is to give your life to him. Put your faith and trust in him. God loves you. And, and nobody is perfect. These three guys did things that you will never do. Okay? God loves you. He loves you so much he gave his own son to die for you. You can have hope in Christ. If you, if you don't have that hope, it's there today for you. And if you, if you have that hope inside of you, are you passing it down? Are you passing the torch? I want to close with two questions. And I've already asked this, but I just want you to think about it as we close. What am I passing down? You know, life goes by so fast. So fast. It's it's very brief. Isn't that weird? I mean, you, you spend like 15 to 20 years, and it's like forever. Oh, it's taking forever for time to go by. I want to, I wish, you know, Time will go by faster. And then you get over 20, 25, and it's like that. It's very brief. What are you 
What are you passing down? As the days and the years go by, those closest to you, when you're gone, what will you be known for? There, there are lots of good things in this world, lots of them. There are lots of things that we can spend our time doing. There's lots of good information that we can pass down and hand down. I'm sure that'll be helpful. There's lots of things that we can spend our resources on. But how eternally significant are those things? In the span of eternity, how important are the things that you're focused on? Now, you may not be thinking about leaving a legacy. You might be young or not even thinking about the end of your life, right? I mean, I know a lot of us are like that. We're not even thinking about that. We're, we're just trying to make it day by day, right? I want to ask you this question here. Who am I living for? Who am I living for? My favorite movie ever, Braveheart. Uh, William Wallace says every man dies but not every man really lives i don't know if william wallace said that but mel gibson did and what he says goes every man dies but not every man really lives hey did you know everybody dies i used to be in insurance and um had to many times talk to people about death and stuff like that it's very it's hard to do have those conversations but every person does face death you have the option of controlling how you live right Romans 14 7 none of us lives for ourselves alone none of us dies for ourselves alone if we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. How good is that? Man, God just didn't save you to save you for heaven. He saved you for now, right? He saved you for from that point on, this life and the next. It's a continual life for the believer in Christ not two different phases two different places right you're in christ now and you will forever be in christ that's what scripture tells us it goes on in verse 9 for this very reason christ died and returned to life so that he might be the lord of both the dead and the living who are you living for And I know, I know it's so easy to get wrapped up in the world and this and that and everything going on. And all of a sudden, you've got no time to do anything or think about anything else. Who are you living for? What does in God we trust mean? This isn't on the screen. I'm going to close, I promise, after I read this verse. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you that you are a God who loves, that you are a God who forgives, that you are a God who is sovereign. Um, God, we look at these three guys in, in Hebrews and known for some great things, but they also messed up many times. Father, we know that our lives are far from perfect. Many times we'll make mistakes. But Father, you can bring good out of anything. You can bless anything. Father, when we turn to you and we, we give our lives to you, may we look at our lives as not our own, but as we just read in Romans, that since you gave your life for us, we are to live our lives for you. May we do that. May the Father, I pray today that the person who has never really deep down in their heart really placed and given their life to you and placed their faith in you, I pray that they would do that today, that they would see what Jesus did for us on the cross as the means of, of salvation. And that they would see and understand that, that your son died for them, for their mistakes, for their sin. And he was raised to life so that they could have a new life, both now and forevermore. Father, I pray that we wouldn't just express our faith on the outside. That we just wouldn't put up a decal or have this artificial uh, message that comes from our lives, but Father, that we would truly live lives that say we have faith and trust in you. God, just bless each one here and bless our church. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.